COVID-19 pandemic changed the economic circumstances of virtually every country in the world. Today, our economy is witnessing rising prices of fuel and virtually all commodities like bread, rice, sugar, sachet water, cement, iron rods, and so on. From Malata market through Abofor market to Techiman market to Takradi market circle to Pando and almost everywhere across the country, prices are on the rise. The first quarter of this year, in the first quarter of this year, we have also suffered a sovereign credit ratings downgrade by two ratings agencies. And along with that, there has been a significant depreciation of the CD between February and March this year. These developments, ladies and gentlemen, have come as a surprise to many Ghanaians. The data shows quite clearly when you look at this graph, shows a clear dichotomy for the depreciation of the city between 2013 and 2016 and between 2017 and 2021. City depreciation reached a high of 32.5% in 2014 and declined to 9.7% by 2016. The rate of depreciation further declined to 4.7% in 2017 before increasing to 12.9% by 2019 and then declining again to 3.9% in 2020 and registering 4.1% in 2021. The data shows that the average exchange rate depreciation during the 2017-2021 period, the average exchange rate depreciation over these five years under our government is more than twice as stable as during the 2013 to 2016 period when the average depreciation was 18%. So you are comparing our average depreciation over five years of 6.8% to DS of 18%. It's night and day. And you will see, in fact, when you look at the history of the Fourth Republic, the worst performances of the exchange rate so far since 1992, the worst exchange rate depreciation has happened in two areas, between 1993 and 2000, and between 2009 and 2016. Those are the worst performances and the exchange rate. I wonder who was in charge of the economy at that time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, so we had so much stability in the exchange rate. But in the first quarter of this year, 2022, we have seen the sharpest first quarter depreciation of the city since 2015. Data for the, from the Bank of Ghana shows that at the end of March, the city had depreciated by 15.5%. 
So what explains this? That you had such, you know, low depreciation and all of a sudden within a few months you had such a high level of depreciation. Why did we see this? A number of factors can be adduced to explain what happened. The financial markets assessment of the 2022 budget, unfortunately, generally concluded that our projected 40% increase in revenue, which underpinned the 2022 budget, they project the financial markets assessed that this was not likely to materialize. Essentially, the economy is what we feel in our pockets. I acknowledge that we are going through challenging times. This is the reality, irrespective of the cause. Not long ago, we had felt similar despair, the fear of losing our lives to a pandemic and the near halt to our economy as we battled to survive each day. Some years ago, we had been confronted by very dire circumstances. The joblessness of our youth, the years of doom so that adversely impacted on businesses and jobs, the disappointment of dealing with a collapsed national health insurance system, and the inability to access health care, the bane of the cash and carry system, a nearly collapsed national ambulance system, a freeze on public sector employment, and an almost collapsed banking sector, and so on. The economy was on the verge of collapse, and a legacy of take-or-pay contracts saddled the economy with annual excess capacity charges of close to one billion US dollars a year. These were basically contracts to supply energy to Ghana way in excess of our requirements, but we were obligated to pay for the power whether we use it or not. We were confronted with a banking crisis and not dealing decisively with it would have meant disaster for the economy as the entire banking system would have collapsed. In addition to not keeping up with ex in addition, not keeping up with the excess capacity payments for energy would have meant throwing the country back into the new bout of doom so. The government of President Nana Dankwa Kufuado put in a lot of effort to turn th things around from the from what situation that from the situation that used to be when we came into office in 2017. When you look at the sectoral growth, what is happening in agri-industry and services, the data tells us that the agricultural sector has seen a major increase in output since 2016, increasing from an average growth of 2.85% between 2013 and 2016 
to an average growth of 5.8% between 2017 and 2020. In fact, 2017 to 2020, our average growth in the agricultural sector is double what it was in 2013 to 2016. And this is as a result of the success of the Planting for Food and Jobs program. And the data for the first three quarters of 2021, in fact, shows an even higher growth. The first three quarters shows a massive growth of 10.1% in the agricultural sector. Now, when we look at the industry sector, it also saw a significant growth prior to COVID. Between 2013 and 2016, industry recorded an average growth of 3.3 percent between 2013 and 2016 3.3 percent average growth between 2017 and 2019 before covid industrial growth increased to an average of 10.8 percent from 3.3 percent this was before covid with the onset of covid 19 as you can expect industry growth declined to minus 3.6 percent in 2020 and minus 1.7 percent in 2021. Between 2017 and 2020, industry growth grew by 7.2 percent. The data clearly shows that overall, COVID notwithstanding, the economic fundamentals of inflation, interest rates, exchange rates, GDP growth, the trade balance, current account balance, gross international reserves during the 2017 to 2021 period are largely much stronger than they were in the 2013 to 2016 period. The fiscal deficit to GDP and the debt to GDP variables are weaker given the COVID-related expenditures banking sector cleanup costs, and excess capacity payments to IPPs. We should note that no government in the history of Ghana, no government has had to deal with a global pandemic which resulted in the worst global depression since the 1930s and a war between Russia and Ukraine and, and its implications and a financial crisis uh, pretty much in succession. No government has been able to deal with these. The financial sector crisis, COVID, the war in Ukraine, and the um, pandemic. Under these circumstances, given what we have had to deal with, when you look at the fundamentals, our management of the fundamentals has been quite remarkable, has been quite remarkable. Remarkable management of the economy, the constitutional imperative in Article 36 is that the state shall in particular, take all necessary steps to establish a sound and healthy economy. A sound and healthy economy. Is that what we have seen over the period from 
the political regimes all through to this time, and somebody works up some figures just to, you know, tickle our minds, says that from the 31st of, uh, by 31st of August 2007, um, 100 USD, you know, amounted to 92 Ghana cities. Today, 100 USD amounts to 740 Ghana cities, meaning the CD has depreciated over 800% in just 15 years and makes a comparison with Morocco and their Dahams, or how do you call it, that by 2004, 100 USD was equal to 900 equivalents of their currency. Today, 18 years later, 100 USD is equal to 1,000 Moroccan dahams. What that means, make it out for yourself. But let's come to what Baumia has been talking about. And let me not forget to say that the program is brought to you by the kindest sponsorship of Bank of Africa Strong as a group and close as a partner. MTN everywhere you go, Ashesi University, educating ethical and entrepreneurial leaders for Africa. Robert and Sons Optical Services, your comprehensive eye care services provider for 31 years. Whaley Properties, home is where one stars. Duraplast, where Duraplast goes, water flows, Rehoboth Properties, quality housing for all. Trosaco Fast Floor, stronger, faster, and affordable. Um, so thank you for your attention. I'll just read uh, these few messages that you had sent earlier on the first discussion. Then I'll bring in um, Dr. Ejapoma Jakadako, who is Senior Lecturer and Economist, University of Ghana Business School, uh, joining us for this second segment. Um, this one is from Enam Ken. He says, based on the submissions from John Jinapo, I am tempted to believe that Muntaka was right with his actions. Then Kofi Amwa says, no one can blame Ajua Safo for anything if that person has proven sense of objectivity. She doesn't exist on her own in parliament. She has a majority leader. Why blame the horse when it has a rider? Lati Nyonu says Parliament may begin to explore other punitive measures such as suspension, a reprimand, a call to uh, the bar of Parliament to render apologies, financial penalties, such as MPs forfeiting part of their salaries when they flout the constitutional provisions. Where, well, where we are learning all this from? They do all these things. They suspend salaries, among other things, and they reprimand. If you read the Eskimo, you know, parliamentary practice, it happens. But here, nothing really happens. Uh, Mens, <laughs> Mens says that you see how both the NDC and MPP are defending the MP ab absenteeism under the disguise of profit-making activities. We ain't getting anywhere as a country. 
Eja Adam says, I think the majority MPP MPs should emulate what Minority Chief Whip Mohamed Montaka Mubarak did to the Speaker. Nyavo Johnny says, all the three seats must be declared vacant for by-election to be held. Simple. Well, we are broke. By-election costs a lot of money. And again, some free money will be there, you know. Kwejo uh, Edusei says the only thing that can fix our parliament is to amend the constitution so that MPs can't be ministers, <laughs> can't sit on public boards, and they should only do parliamentary work and nothing else. Huh. A.B. Mensa says if it's possible, we should run parliamentary elections on non-party lines so as members of parliament will be accountable to the electorate rather than their parties. Gillian Jabba says, this is even long overdue. Why would an MP deliberately be absent for all these times? They need to be sacked and made to lay the monies collected uh, during the period. We want them to refund the monies they paid. Uh, a final message I read from PK in Elembele. He says, it is a fact that, um, that the NDC managed the economy. Okay, so we are going to the economy now. And in the course of that, we will uh, see how it fares. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Ejapoma Jekadako, for joining us. She's Senior Lecturer and Economist, University of Ghana Business School. Thank you very much for joining us. Good morning, Samson. Thank you for having me as well. Right. And good morning to your listeners and your viewers. Great to have you. Thank you so very much for making time. Um, so uh, I, I began this by, you know, reading uh, from uh, Oliver, you know, Bakavomawo, who says, when you look at the, how our CD has behaved from 2007, it looks like um, we are driving this country economically eventually to a Zimbabwe situation where their dollar became so worthless. What do you say? We have explanation for all the troubles. Yes. Um, um, something, yes. We, over the years, and um, I won't say that it's just got to do with the current years, but over the years, we have not managed to stabilize our currency. And um, it's just because of the way we have decided to structure our economy. Um, we haven't, right from, um, let's say, independence, um, we haven't managed to take industrialization seriously as a country. And um, we are still depending on exporting primary products. And we know that if we do export primary products on the world market, we get next to nothing. We are still behaving like an, um, like an import-dependent country. We are dependent on imports. So, I mean, foreign exchange markets is a matter of demand and supply, and that's what works out. If you demand more currency, um, then you are supplying that currency, obviously you would find that that currency is going to be appreciating. Mm. So, yes, we have not managed to take our industrialization seriously. Um, we, now we say that we have 1D, 1F, some effort is being made you know, to be able to get the private sector to get into industrialization. But I think that we need to take that seriously. Mm. We need to also 
um, think about consuming made in Ghana goods. And as we are talking about consuming made in Ghana goods, it's important for us to also realize that if a typical consumer gets onto the market and wants to make any purchases, that consumer is going to be comparing the quality of a good that is being produced in Ghana to the quality of a good that is being produced outside. And in the quality, if Ghana's uh, uh, Ghanaian-made products are not competitive, on the market, obviously we are not going to be getting our local consumers to purchase those goods. Right. Yes, there should be a conscious effort mm. for us to buy made in Ghana goods, but then we should also make an effort to make our products competitive on the market so that we can find long-term solutions to the problems that we have now. Mm. There are other reasons that we that that we 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 have we have um, done to actually get ourselves into into this. And then um, as we go on, maybe we can talk about. Um, right. So, so um, there's, there's one fear. I need, I need you to help me out of it. Things get worse. They hardly really, we hardly really get to a certain situation where what we are seeing now will be reversed in the sense that the prices that have gone up will come down. Will that ever happen? I mean, typically, and especially in Ghana, um, prices are rigid downwards. So we never see that, clearly see that prices are actually coming down. They are rigid downwards. And it's, it's a market economy. And so you cannot actually push people to reduce their prices. What we need to do to stabilize our prices are the long-term solutions that we need to put in place to ensure that our prices or inflation doesn't actually go up. Now, we've been looking at, over the years, we've been no, looking no, doc, at... Doc, doc my, 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 you know, my common economic sense or appreciation, which led to the question was, if we will recover, if we will get out of these circumstances, then I should be restored to where I was. Um, so that if prices are going up as many as as much as double, an item's price uh, increases as maybe double, bring me to a place where it will reduce. And you say that will never happen. Then what's the meaning uh, of the recovery? I, okay, so I am, I, I am saying so. You see, where prices are, are also dependent on um, the sellers that we we deal with every time. So yes, we are working at getting our currency stabilized. That obviously would get our currency to appreciate in a way, or if even if we get it to the level that we get it, we expect that that should reflect in the prices of goods and services once we do that. I mean, if we think carefully about fuel, one of the reasons why we are having, we are seeing a hike in our fuel prices is also because of the depreciation of the currency. So if we manage to get our currency stabilized, we are going to see that reflecting other pump prices and you are saying that we should be able to see that reflecting in goods and services hopefully if we are able to produce enough and we are able to get bumper the bumper harvest that we want to get we would see prices coming down but i'm saying that for the typical seller if you see the the driver 
um, the transport fares going up. They're obviously not going to bring it down. The best we can get is to get it stable. And that's why in the first place, we shouldn't allow the prices to be hiked mm. so that we would be comfortable in our zones. If you had to make your assessment of Baumia's presentation on the economy in some three minutes, what would you say? Right, so um, I listened to Dr. Baumia and his speech was mainly about the state of the economy um, and where we have come from. He, he said in his speech that we were doing well before COVID. The figures are there, we can check what the figures are. So he spoke about inflation he said that inflation was, and we see from the, um, from the Bank of Ghana data sets that inflation attained single digits in 2018 and 2019. So as far as inflation was concerned, we managed to do something about it. He also spoke about um, GDP growing, and we saw that before COVID, GDP was actually growing. Um, he spoke about um, exchange rate not really depreciating as much as um, we had before. He spoke about lending rates coming down. The figures are there. We can check, check those figures. And I was happy to hear him admit that we are in challenging times. And there's no doubt that we know that we are in challenging times. But at some point, one of the things that he said is that they, their performance had been quite remarkable. So just for the fact that he used the word quiet, it clearly tells us that it hasn't been so remarkable, but it's been somewhat remarkable. And that boils down to um, the fact that over the years, we have not managed to build a resilient economy. Yeah. And so with shocks here and there, we see that our economy keeps um, turning around every now and then. And so, well, I do get him and I do hear him when he says that the economy was doing well before COVID. Mm. There's no doubt that COVID has actually put a strain on our economy and it's not just our economy, so many other economies. So I do hear him when he says that. But it's also important for us to understand that the issues that have brought us this far are issues that require long-term solutions. And over the years, not just with this government, we have not been able to sit and get those long solutions across to ensure that our economy is robust enough to withstand all the shocks. Um, if you take a look at our debt to GDP ratio, and for that matter, um, how much we spend on servicing our debt as a ratio of, um, of our revenue that we mobilize, mm. it's still quite high, and it was still quite high before COVID actually set in. Mm. What are we not doing right? These are some of the questions that we need to be asking ourselves. We do have um, structural bottlenecks that we need to address as a country. Mm. And but, I but believe... Before, before we go to the long-term solutions, yes. you heard him speak about the... Is it 50.1 billion um, exceptional expenditure? Uh, something we didn't plan to spend. Uh, and we had to spend on COVID, we had to spend on excess capacity charges, 
and then we had to spend on the financial sector uh, reform. You heard him on that? Yes, I did. I did hear him on that. And, and he says effectively that the economy didn't have this amount of money to spare. And so um, the problems largely can be attributed to this expenditure. You agree? Yes, I agree partly. And like I was saying before, I mean, we have not managed to build a robust economy. But I do agree with him when he says that the financial sector cleanup was part of, it's part of the reasons that we are facing, the issues that we are currently facing. The energy crisis that we had before is also part of the issues that we are facing currently. I do agree with him. And it's important for us to understand that the cleanup was very, very necessary. We needed to embark on the financial sector cleanup, but we didn't have the money to do so, and we had to resort to some borrowing to do that. Imagine one bank, one bank failing, the impact that would have had on our economy. We didn't have to sit and wait for the economy to, for, for, for the bank to start failing in the economy before we start doing something about it. So the financial sector cleanup was very, very necessary. Maybe the details of it was a problem or the, the way it was handled we could say that was an issue because people lost jobs, but we needed to do that. We also cannot take away the fact that part of the debt that we are incurring right now has something to do with the energy crisis that we experienced some years before. I mean, we were in there and we needed to get out of the energy crisis and therefore we needed to borrow to solve our problems. And we know that debt is an, it's, it's something that is accumulated over the years. So once you accumulate it, then sometimes you need to even go and borrow more to refinance your debts here and there. So we cannot, we cannot talk about our problems without talking about COVID without talking about the financial sector cleanup, without talking about the energy sector crisis. All these have amounted to the issues that we are currently facing. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying that there's more to that. If we had managed to build a resilient economy, if we had managed to mobilize the revenue that we needed to revenue, uh, to mobilize, sorry, we wouldn't have gone onto the debt market to be able to raise more debt to come and finance our issues. So what do you say to those who say on these three issues, um, we can, it can be said that this uh, $50.1 is it, is self-inflicted somewhat because number one uh, the bank crisis the how to go to the rescue of the banks there are those who disagree with the approach um, using that amount of money for that purpose there are those who disagree I'm sure you may have heard the uh, professor Sivina uh, speak recently about about this and then people are asking questions but what happened to the uh, what was the assets of these banks? Because they were not uh, without assets. Uh, what consequence has befallen those who supervise the regulatory sins? Uh, and we heard that they will suffer consequences. What has happened? It does appear nothing has happened at all. And in any case, in the bank uh, crisis, the monies that were spent 
Have they not been passed on to the banks and the banking public through the financial uh, sector recovery levy, uh, which we passed a law 2021 for? Questions are being asked. The uh, take or pay power agreements. Why should we continue to listen to a government that promised solutions and got power to fix what it said was broken, but continues to repeat you know, the problem to us, that it is saddled with almost a $1 billion each year for excess power. The past administration suggested to us that there was uh, a plan for that, to export power. So why don't you follow that plan? If there is no plan, why don't you find a solution for it? So that you don't end up paying and not getting anything out of it. Covert spending. Questions have been asked. How much didn't we get from the IMF and the World Bank? Who is accounting for that? So how can you claim that these three items are the reason for where the economy is when you have a handle over them? And in fact, when you talk about COVID, giving free water and the rest of them, are we not paying back? Because it's not free, as we got to understand uh, shortly after we were getting to recovery from COVID. What do you say? Something. Um, you see, whatever debt we manage to accumulate as a country because of all these issues have already been accumulated. If we are paying for them through levies, we are still trying to pay for them. But it doesn't take away the fact that the issues that we are now being confronted with are as a result of those issues that happened previously. Yes, there are levies that have been put in place that are meant to actually try to recover um, the, the debts that we incurred in those periods. We have the levy for, we have um, the COVID levy, we have the financial sector levy that we are still paying for. But it, it doesn't mean that the harm that was done to the economy as far as the debt was concerned did not take place. We have incurred these debts. We need to find out how we would be able to manage our economy to get around these things. And those are the questions that we need to be answering or we need to be asking our leaders. Um, accountability is important. The, we got a lot of money from the IMF, we got some money from the private sector, etc. It's important they account to us. No doubt about that as to how these monies were spent. Mm. But I'm saying that as we try to do all of these things, what's the way forward for us? How do we ensure that we don't get back into this situation. Remember in 2014, when we we're going through the energy crisis, we got a bit into a situation like this. If we are taking measures to restore our economy and then looked ahead, if we had been forward looking and taking measures to restore our economy, we wouldn't have come back to this problem. So it is important that we look ahead. These issues have occurred. We can't keep blaming all our problems on COVID, 
on financial sector cleanup, on um, energy crisis. We need to find solutions to these problems. Mm. And I believe that some of the solutions have been outlined here. We always talk about these solutions. But how are we going to ensure that this time we are going to be achieving what we have set out to achieve? And I believe Dr. Baumia mentioned something like integrating um, all our card numbers onto the Ghana card. So our tax identification number was our Ghana card and, and many other numbers were embedded in our Ghana card. But the question is, if people have tax identification numbers and we are not pursuing them, to pay their taxes. How do they pay their taxes? Mm. People can mm. sit in their comfort zone, in the, in, the, in the comforts of their homes, and then be able to file taxes as he's mentioned. Mm. And so the processes of tax filing has been made easy. But the point I'm making is, if there's no enforcement, how do we ensure that people are paying taxes? Okay. In many other countries, you find you really find that these things have been tied up to um, essential services. You cannot do anything without showing your tax certificate. And these are the ways in which we can, we, we, we can get people to pay taxes. We need to look at our expenditure as well. Right. Be flexible right. in our expenditure. Yes. Okay, so you catch a breather. Uh, let me get to Kofi briefly before I come to the studio with the... Uh, economists, uh, financial people uh, who are also MPs who are here in the studio. Okay, so um, let me get to Kwekukwating first. People don't want to hear the refrain uh, about COVID because they say the World Bank gave us money. At least initially we heard of the $430 million that the World Bank gave us. We heard of the IMF uh, allocation of uh, $1 billion US dollars for COVID. So when we say COVID, people don't understand. And the World Bank has also told us that, you know, the economy was already showing signs, signs of struggle before COVID. So you can't blame everything on COVID, so to speak. I'll, I'll take both quickly, then I, I go on to my main submission. Look, about 90% of all the support we got from our multilateral partners, the IMF, the World Bank, came in the form of loans. Anybody, people have been thinking that when they hear this match, then it was free money. They came in the form of loans. We are paying interest on those loans. Those loans are contributing to the debt to GDP ratio we have been discussing. So let it be laid to rest. Let it not look as if during COVID, this government benefited from some grants and that we can't be complaining. That is the first point. Uh, the second point uh, was um, what, 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 what I think right now you raised two points. Yes, I, I said you, a apart, apart you from have answered the IMF and World yes, Bank yes. monies that came. That's yes. not free. But yes, yes, yes loans. Okay. And then right. there was a the second and point. And we have a COVID levy too. Yeah, we do have a COVID levy, but as has been explained, levies take time to accumulate. And if you look at the rates and how much we are, we've accumulated over the period, it is a small fraction of the problem we're supposed to deal with. I think it's legitimate for people to keep their eyes mm. on, the, uh, on these collections and to be able to say that at some point you have collected enough. But we just started, and mm. so they're going, to, they're going to hurt us. So look, people, people are saying, the other part of the yes. question, people are saying that stop talking uh, COVID, Ukraine, and the rest, because 
the World Bank has confirmed to us that the economy was already in trouble before we got uh, COVID, you know, struck. To the extent that Ghana's economy traditionally has had some challenges, our manufacturing sector has been weak. We are very much an import-driven economy. Uh, we do have corruption in our society generally, but also in the public sector. We see it in Auditor General's report the whole time, decades back. I think there is consensus that we need to reform our economy and we need to uh, make our economy more resilient. And so if anybody says that even before COVID, your economy had some challenges, I would not dispute that because I am one of those who believe that we ought to achieve political consensus to embark on radical reforms in respect of the economy and in the fight against corruption. Mm. So uh, if anybody says um, uh, there were challenges before COVID, I am not to dispute that. But it is important that we cast the current discussion in its proper context. Mm. Dr. Baumia addressed the nation because we have always known these traditional challenges. But in recent times, beginning from in the first quarter of 2022, mm. we have seen extraordinary developments that have gotten people complaining. And Dr. Baumia did acknowledge that government hears the people. Right. And it started with First, the downgrading, we, uh, I'll go briefly into all that. The downgrading... Yeah. Uh, uh, let's, let's do it this way. Yes. He brought us to know that the financial sector... I'll go there. The Sounds financial like, uh, se sector expenses, the excess uh, capacity charges expenses, and COVID expenses got us to spend money we didn't have. 50.1 billion. It was, yes, I'll even add a few. Okay, 50.1 billion. Mm. Because now, the new thing I find from this presentation is this revelation. So, the question is, were some of these not avoidable? And even if they are not, you didn't give any freebies. You claim you did, but we know that we are paying for almost everything. So, what's the point? Okay, of course, when the country gives you freebies out of the country's coffers. It goes against the accounts of the country. And the country at some point would have to find a way of recovering that. In difficult times, you take actions to deal with the difficulties. Later on, you see how you can recover lost ground. So that answers you. But back to the context. The excess capacity uh, pay, uh, I'll come pay to them. I'll come to them. Uh, uh, it will distort my presentation. I'll come to okay. them shortly. Okay. The context was that in recent times, we have been downgraded. And then we have seen the depreciation of the city leading to a rise in the cost of living. And then people are asking, what is it that government is going to do to deal with the challenges we're facing in our pockets? For many Ghanaians, that, was, that, that, that is a proper context in which you set this discussion. Dr. Baumia gave two messages the day he did his delivery. The first was a message to the people, a message to Ghanaians. Mm. But the second 
was also a message to the critics because in economic management, if you don't engage with your citizenry against things they're hearing, you do not carry them along. So it is important that you take time off economic management, respond to critics, to put the people's hearts at ease that indeed we are doing the best we can in the circumstances. So the first message to the people was after acknowledging the rising cost of living and the need for government to act and act quickly, he outlined the interventions. And if you go to uh, Dr. Bawumier's speech, in fact, earlier on, the finance minister had indicated a number of them, the expenditure cuts, where state uh, uh, political appoint uh, appointment holders would have their salaries reduced by some 30%, uh, and, and, and those other measures. That in themselves did not come to much, I agree. But you see, there's a, a, a suggestion that charity must begin at home. If government was trying to carry the people along, government has to be seen to be leading the way. And so you saw those cuts. But there were very important expenditure reforms in Dr. Baumier's delivery, which some of which reforms, as I indicated, had already been suggested. Mm. You know, we set up public sector entities every now and then, even where there are institutions to deal with them. And we saw the G, the GIF. I remember when GIF uh, was being, 2015 was being set up. I was then in opposition. And the very things that I said and the responses I got, mm. they are the very things my colleagues in the NDC have been saying against the new institutions that we have set up, the development authorities. And they are the, very, the, the, the responses I got from the NDC, uh, or we got from the NDC at the time, are the responses that we are also giving the, uh, the, the, those critics. Mm. Government said in this intervention that there's moratorium on the setting up of new institutions. Yeah. People underestimate the significance of that. Because as you set up the institutions, then you appoint people there, the administrative costs, and you are taking money away from critical needs into those ones. Part of the important expenditure travels, that the conferences and all that moratorium. If you have to do it, if extraordinary circumstances require you to do it, come to the presidency and, and explain, and then you'll be given the chance. Mm. Earlier in this government's uh, uh, administration, there has been a similar um, instruction on the purchase of new vehicles. Along the line, it appeared that somehow we were getting back to our old ways. Uh, the government has just put its foot down again and said those expenditures would also go. I mean, if you go to Dr. Baumia's speech, you see the many, many, many interventions there. So he deals with the expenditures going forward. And then on the revenue side, you see the digitization and all the revenue measures that going forward, we need to put greater agency into in order to bridge the gap between our expenditures and revenues. So again, in communicating with the people, Dr. Baumia did clearly articulate the things government is doing right now to respond to the recent cost, to the recent rise in the cost of living. And then he hinted us that since the Bank of Ghana came out with its measures, mm. 
since the finance ministry came out with those interventions, just announcing them, right. and since the e-levy was passed, mm. all of a sudden the investor community is beginning to look at Ghana and say, maybe going forward, things would not be as tough as we thought when parliament had approved expenditures to the tune of 135.6 billion. And in that approval at both the finance committee level and at the plenary, we were unanimous. Not a single member of parliament from either side said that these expenditures are too much. So we approved the appropriation. Mm. Then we came to the measures government intended to use to raise the revenues, to finance the appropriation that we, parliamentarians, had approved for government. Then there was disagreement. And there were fights in the chamber. And if you look at the credit ratings, some of them made references, actually, to the things we are doing to ourselves in parliament, that they were beginning to worry that even though the expenditures have been approved, we may not get the revenues to support those expenditures. It partly contributed to the downgrading uh, uh, of our economy. And then you see the investors now beginning to worry. So the figures are there clearly. If you go to the Bank of Ghana now, you realize that people then started saying, I don't want to roll over my investment again. When my investments are due, I want to cash them, buy dollars, and disappear. I hear blaming the downgrade. But it was part I of don't it. hear why the downgrade. That's what I've explained. The, the downgrade is what I have explained. That when your parliament approves expenditure to the tune of 135.6 billion, and that same parliament had approved revenue to a tune of 100.5 billion, and you say you have a deficit of 7.4, agreed. Then you go to that parliament, the people's representatives, and they say the expenditures are good even though you had indicated to them in the presentation of the budget how you intended to raise revenue to finance those expenditures. And then when it came to raising those expenditures, the bills, the instruments to activate, the, the way government said it was going to raise revenue to finance those expenditures, then the House no more agrees. And for four months, if I am an investor, I'm not thinking about your country. I'm thinking about my investment. Mm. So the investors then said, it. The, the, the rating agencies and the investors, the international community started seeing that these guys, they might spend money they do not have because they are struggling to even institute the measures to finance the expenditures that have been approved by parliament. That, is, that was fun. If you look, read the records of the, the narratives of the credit rating agencies, this is very clear mm. that they did not trust our fiscal. So from the downgrades, the investors who, of course, are also relying on these observations then said, I'm not going to roll over. Then your CD begins to fall. Then the ordinary man begins to take the hit. So in simple terms, some of the instability we have seen in the last quarter is coming from the fact that we did not demonstrate that the fiscal was reliable. Okay. So, so having done that mm. and, and explained, and Dr. Bomia did explain all this, that Having uh, uh, seen this, it is government's job to find a solution. So government says, one, do all you can to push for all the revenue measures that were indicated to finance the 135.6 billion appropriation that both houses approved. 
do whatever it takes. So you saw a certain urgency and a determination, and especially the majority side, to ensure that the revenue measures, including the e-levy, are passed. Right. That was the first thing government did. And then two, government said it's not enough to continue raising revenue. Taxing people is not a comfortable thing. We have to begin to cut expenditure. So you see the expenditure cut announced by the finance minister, but also uh, explained by Dr. Baumia in his presentation. And it does not surprise me that the investor community then begins to say, okay, these guys, now we see a change in the outlook. Mm. That is why the CD is beginning to see the stability. Okay. I don't know how you can explain this any other way. Mm. So it tells you that the difficulties we have, we have experienced recently could have been avoided if we had demonstrated during budget time that we can finance our expenditures. I'll come to the point about 2019, there were problems already. But quickly, it is just to make the point that Ghanaians can have the assurance that in response to the challenges, government has done things that are beginning to show in the stability of the city. If we continue like that, I, I have no doubt, and that is my prayer, that by the end of the year, the credit rating agencies should come back and upgrade us. As soon as they do that, you would begin to see our economy showing greater strength to investors. And then your city will have the stability you need. Then the cost of living will be checked. Even though the current stability would help, we should deepen this by working towards an upgrading of Ghana's economy, getting to the close of the year. That is when we are going to hear from these credit rating agencies again. Mm. And the job for all of us is now to hold government to the commitment about expenditure cuts and the revenues that they have made that have been clearly explained. Now, that was so much the message for the ordinary Ghanaian. And I think we should all put our prayers behind government. I think the stability we're beginning to see in the city is good. I have heard Ghanaians, full-blooded Ghanaians, telling, almost telling the investor community that vacate the confidence you're beginning to have in the economy and don't stop uh, uh, um, disinvesting. And that these government measures don't come to anything. Oh, really? I have heard Ghanaians say that. They won't come to anything. It's all a fluke. And the current stability in the city is a nine-day wonder. I'm appealing to all of us that we can do the politics when we want. But where we have gotten to now, we need to sing with one voice to convince the investor community that at least let's give government a chance mm. to make the interventions that it has announced work. If it doesn't work, trust me, if the interventions don't work, trust me, down the year, we may even see further downgrades. Mm. And at that point, government will not have any excuse because you yourself committed to do this. Now, let me go to after communicating this message and asking Ghanaians to support the government to make these interventions work and inviting everybody, including the opposition, that at some point you should put a break on the politics mm. and back government to stabilize the now city. For the, now I go to his message to the critics. And that is where this point about excess capacity and all those things come in. It was not the objective of Dr. Baumia to mount stage and to just tell Ghanaians that these guys signed uh, dubious SS capacity contracts mm. because they wanted to take kickbacks. Mm. And it has become a burden on us, and we are now having to finance those things. That was not Dr. Baumia's 
uh, intention. You have been telling us that from day one, yes. when you took over power, and you promised us that you were renegotiating these contracts. Are you still renegotiating? And if the renegotiations are not working, you have just thrown your arms in despair. You are saying that what? Uh, you, you can only complain I mean, I, about them. I, I'm, I, only, you're not just complaining about them. But you see, they, after, that's why I asked the question. They had a plan. I'm, I'm they said we were going to. I, I understand that. Uh, it's the most ridiculous if, point. If they, they didn't have that plan, maybe you claim. Can't you also think outside the box? Just paying uh, a million, is it a million dollars so, annually? For nothing? Something, I'm in a hurry to respond to the issues you're raising. Look, first point, first point. You see, Dr. Baumia would have ended his presentation with acknowledging the problems, indicating what government was doing, observing the outcomes, the stable mm, outcomes. quite a bit of time, so I, can I, go straight. I'll go straight. Uh, would have ended it there. Mm. But he needed to respond to suggestions that have been made that weaken people's confidence in what government was doing and that even weakened people's confidence to pay the taxes they're supposed to pay so he needed to address that and this is how he addressed it he says look this plenty public debt and, and all that that you are talking about this is how it came about some of them are not things that we had control over first those contracts and i say this because look Unless we call people out, it is not just an NDC administration that would do this. In future, you would have even people within... You're still not this, speaking to it. I need to take I, a break. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that the excess capacity charges are part of the reasons we are where we are. Whilst you take steps to deal with them by imposing those levies, by cutting expenditure, it does not mean that in explaining why we're here, you ought not to mention them. That's the excess capacity he charges. And he said, he said, he said, he said we have spent how much so far? 17? The excess capacity? Yes. Yes, yeah, 17 billion. 17 billion? Yes. In, in, in SS, something we could have avoided. I have heard suggestions that, oh, we had the intention to export. If you want to export power. First, the 17 billion. In July 2021, a question was put to the minister uh, by... Uh, Al Hassan Soheni, mm. Tamale North. Mm. So he asked the Minister of Finance uh, which independent power producing uh, companies have received payment from the government of Ghana for excess capacity charges and how much was paid to each company in the last four years. The answer he got was this Mr. Speaker. The underlisted independent power producers have received payment for excess capacity charges for the period under review 2017 to 2020, totaling 937.50 million US dollars. So, uh, AXA, Car Power, and Send Power, he listed them, and that's how much the total came to. Well, the figures here are up to date. I, I can. I have to take these figures from 2017 to 2020. Yeah. The payment was less than a, uh, a billion. And USD. Have, yes, USD. That comes to, and we how much to tell the public that we pay annually almost one billion US dollars. Yeah, something. We can audit how much we pay. 
we can audit and get the figures. We should not allow that to get in the way of the fundamental fact that we are having to pay for these excess capacity charges. Mm -hmm. And if anybody wants to do an audit and correct the figures, that is okay. The figure Dr. Baumian provided the 17 billion, I'm sure it would have been given in by the technical people. And at least for our purposes, we know it informs us about why our debt levels are where they are. Mm. Now, the export question. You are <laughs> extending one of these contracts, the AXA or so. You are extending the duration by another five years. If you have been saddled with such a humongous, unconscionable the, the, deal, why do you want to extend? There's a general moratorium on the signing of new uh, capacity contracts. There is. binds you I'm to coming. extend them. I'm coming. The, 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 there's, there's a moratorium. But for this particular one, I, I'm not in a position to explain why, but I would imagine that there will be a special reason why this has become an exceptional case. But I am encouraged by the general moratorium that the energy ministry, you are not allowed to, to sign any additional SS card, even though we are beginning to eat a part of that. Guy. But let me quickly address the export question. Before you decide to sell power to anybody, you must go to the person and negotiate a price and negotiate an agreement. And then you would know, you can calculate your own cost of production and see whether it even makes sense to produce for that person to buy. When that has not been done and you produce the power and say, I intended to sell, sell to who? I think that point is misleading. These were contracts that were signed because people wanted to take kickbacks. Yes. You should learn a lesson from it and, and, and move away from it. attempted that plan to in five years. Look, the SL... You are only comfortable just paying. Look, look. Yeah. A lot has been done in that area. Okay, let and, me take and, a break. Let me take a break. When we return, uh, and forgive me, my oh, production, please, one, they have one, been, one, on, they been on me to, to go okay. to break for a long time. When we return, when we return, we'll hear from John. We'll hear from John. We'll hear from you again. We'll be right back. No, it's true.
Trasaco Fast Floor, stronger, faster, and affordable. This is a Trasaco construction product. to Burkina Faso, Côte d'Ivoire, Benin, Togo, Senegal, China, Morocco, France, Netherlands, and many other countries. We have made it possible to bring Ghana to the world. We have brought small and medium businesses closer to their customers across the regions in Ghana with our SME support facilities. We have brought relief and smiles to the faces of families with our employee personal loans. Cutting-edge technology and digital support, we take the burden of complex thinking off you, making life simple. That is who we are, as close as a partner. Bank of Africa, we are indeed the African bank with the global reach. Good business means seeing the possibilities and maximizing opportunities. Making sure you have a responsive support system. That's your business goals. A partner that gives you a stable platform with reliable connectivity and seamless solutions and better understands the tools required to take you to the next level. With so many moving parts in running a business, we do our best to provide you with some stability. The only kind of stability you can find with MTN Business Broadband, the fastest and most reliable internet provider in Ghana. Making sure you stay ahead and stay connected because we understand what makes your business tick. Sign up today on broadband.mtn.com.gh or call or WhatsApp 0244-308-111. MTN. You thought of where to get your dream home? Really, there's offering you a better option. Check out our exclusive or detached house gated community. Sizes ranges from cozy three bedrooms to a luxurious five bedrooms. We at Waylaid are committed to providing you with the best building quality and value for money. In fact, we are the proud recipient of 2019's Quality Property Firm Award. Just like our homes, our payment terms focus on your need. Choose from installments up to 24 months without interest. Or take advantage of month gauge up to 20 years. At Waylead, we build homes for you. Call us now on 240 or 050-4499-999 to secure your dream home now. Waylead. Welcome back. This is Newsfile. It's the most authoritative news analysis platform. And here on Newsfile, 
we put Ghana first. And my guest here in the studio, Koko um, Kwating and John Abdullahi Jinapo. And we have uh, Dr. Japoma also on, the, uh, on Zoom with us. And I must state that I have received information that updates the payments to the IPPs that um, um, as at February 2021, the finance ministry had paid 12 billion to the IPP since 2017. Yes, John. Um, yes, John, let's hear you. Uh, let, let me, let me, I have very limited time, but let me see what I can do. You have a lot of time. 14 minutes. You have, have a lot of time. You have minutes. a lot of time. What we are talking about is um, mm. we are in a difficult situation. Fuel prices have gone up by 70% this year, this year, mm. almost 70%. Right. Today, our fuel is the most expensive amongst 33 African countries. Transport fares have gone up by 15%. Mm. Tuesday is going to go up again. All right. So, uh, and sorry, please forgive me. The, 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 the updated uh, spreadsheet on the payments I have received confirms that uh, 17.3 something uh, from which has so? been because paid. Because I want to deal with it. Uh, this is from the presidency. Fantastic. Yeah. If you pay 17 billion, it will show in the budget. It must reflect in the budget. Kweku is here. Take the budget and show me where we've made provision for that payment. What Dr. Baumia did was falsehood, and I'll deal with it clearly because I want to deal with these issues with facts. Now, what are excess capacity? We are talking of power that you haven't consumed, but paying for. Is he saying that we didn't consume power worth 17 billion, and yet okay. we pay for that amount? This is ECG's audited account, 2020. The power they bought is here. 9.37 billion. This power purchased in gigawatts, it is 12,706 gigawatts. Now, what are your collections? 3 billion. There's 6 billion. There's a shortfall of 3.3 billion. In the previous year, it was the same amount. It comes to 6.8 billion. It is here. That 6.8 billion was paid by government. This is their financial statement. We are talking of power consumed, but because of the poor state of ECG, because their losses have run up to about 30%, when they buy the power and they sell the power, they are unable to pay for that power. So the Minister of Finance steps in and pays for that money bought. And Dr. Baumia goes to hold a press conference and says that it is excess capacity. That is most unbecoming of a vice president. It's so unfortunate for the vice president to reduce himself to that level. Which level? What you are paying for is power consumed. In 2019, they brought an amount of five billion. It is here. We asked for the details. 2019, what? Payments to IPPs. Yes. Car powership. Mm. Letasco. Letasco supplies fuel. If the plant is sitting idle and it doesn't work, do you pay for fuel? But there's nothing here to show that it was payment for current consumption. I'm saying 2019 payments. Payments, but that is not a consumption. We are talking period. of excess capacity. Okay. Excess capacity simply means you did not run the plant. And I'm saying that in order to pay for fuel, it presupposes that the plant would have been running. Is that not it? This is a company, Stratcom. This is a company that belongs to Kenneth Relative. They paid them 331 million. What they did, 
is that when they came to power, they quickly went and formed this company in 2017 and decided that they should be supplying the fuel. If the plants are idle, the plants are not running, do you give them fuel? Because you only need to run the plant if the fuel is available to you. But if the plant is sitting idle, it doesn't produce, how do you pay for that fuel? This is simple logic. So they put all but, together. But, but you, you need to give us that evidence. It is here. It's not there. What you're showing is they are This is 20. See, I don't want to interrupt you, but, but please, this please. is performance statistics. Yes. ECG. Yes. Sales. Purchases. What is this? 2019, 11,000. 2020, 12,000. Mm. The sales itself is mm. what? 9.3 billion. Mm. Then the revenue collection is what? Mm. What is this? 5 billion? 5.8. But what does that got to do with the payment schedule? You what it means? Wait, wait. What it means is that out of 9.3, they were able to collect only 5.8. So there's a deficit of about 3 billion. Then you go to their audited financial statement. This is audited financial statement. Their revenue is what? 6 billion. Mm. Government grant is what? 6.8. Mm. So government is paying ECG to pay these IPPs because they did not collect the monies. Yeah. And I'm saying you lump all that together. Why do you say it's been lumped together? That is when you go hard. to the schedule that something has been given. And I'll give it that, to that, the that, schedule. That, 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 oh, I don't have time. Let me, okay. I have a lot to deal with. I have given you a schedule mm -hmm. presented to parliament. Not somebody sitting at the no, 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 residence no, and sitting no, and sending a message. Please, no, you this is a to. schedule presented to parliament by the finance minister. I am a member of the committee. John, all, I'm, stating John, all that, I'm saying, sorry, sorry, half a second. All I'm saying is that the payments you're showing here yes. uh, have no relationship with the earlier schedule you showed me. It is wrong to assume that simply because some monies have been paid to uh, ECG, that those payments have been captured in the 17 billion that we are. Yeah, there's, there's no evidence. I'm saying that the finance minister appeared before us and said, I've paid capacity charges of 3 billion. Mm -hmm. And we insisted that we want the breakdown. Mm -hmm. So this is the breakdown. Mm -hmm. In that breakdown, our fuel cost. And I'm saying fuel cost in our sector does not constitute your capacity payments because you must consume that fuel. If you consume that fuel, it is not capacity. So you're payments. not speaking to the 17 billion? I am speaking to the 17 billion that was presented to parliament. Okay. That's what I'm doing. Okay, that in parliament, we vetted the issues and came to a firm conclusion that what he calls capacity payments. This 17 billion are not come to parliament. I am talking of capacity payments he came and presented to us in 2019. So please don't miss the issues. I maintain that these so-called capacity charges are nothing but energy that has been consumed. Provide the evidence, Kwaku. You are alleging that it's 17 billion. I don't even need to provide the evidence. All I need is to challenge you that I disagree with your 17 billion. We can invite the minister. Provide the evidence. We can Something. Invite, we can invite them. The vice president was most disappointing. He says that, look, COVID and the Ukrainian war are the causes of the wars or the problems we are facing. Mm -hmm. Is that not what he says? who go and read the Bank of Ghana's own summary and financial statistics. Don't go far. Just read what the Bank of Ghana presents. And I'm going to provide you bank crisis, evidence. Bank crisis 25. I've dealt with uh, capacity charges. No, you, no, I'm not talking about capacity charges. Bank, you just mentioned COVID and uh, Ukraine. And I'm telling you that he mentioned also the bank crisis. I'm taking them one after the other. Mm. Okay, go, take, go ahead. Go so ahead. I've dealt with capacity charges. Mm. And I'm showing that what the vice president did was nothing but actual consumption. Because in 2020 alone, and if you read the energy sector report, you are going back to it. 
Fine. I'll, I'll, I'll finish it. Mm. Now he says that COVID. COVID affects the whole world. Is that not it? Of course. It affects Togo. It affects. And yet the Ghanaian city is the worst performing currency. Not at the moment. As was posted by Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. So how does COVID affect only our currency? No, you, you, you understand. How does COVID choose only Ghana and decides that only Ghana, your currency, should fall that much? Does it make economic sense? And he has the audacity to look into our face and tell us that our city is depreciating because of COVID. I've explained it. Now go to the reserves. And I told you, read the Bank of Ghana report. Mm. August 2021, our reserves was 8 billion. By December, it had dropped from 8 billion to 6 billion. It had nothing to do with E-Levy. Check it, because your reserves, when there's a run on you, you go into the reserves and use part of it to show up. So this your issue of E-Levy has nothing to do with the worst performance in terms of the credit rating. The truth is that we've borrowed so much and spent very little on the productive sectors. I was listening to them, 2019, we had one billion from oil. Our trade balance was two billion, and yet the CD depreciated by 12.9%. In 2016, when we didn't have that, the CD depreciated by 7%. And he himself told us that, look, if your fundamentals are weak, the exchange rates will deal with you. And that's why he said that, look, the signs began to show in 2019. They did not hit. They did not take any caution. Because when you read the 2021 media review budget and you look at industry, you look at uh, manufacturing, you look at financial sector, all of them were performing poorly as compared to 2016. And you can check from the budget. I will give you the page and the paragraph. So clearly, we're on a downward spiral. This is a government that tells us that you are running a deficit under 5%. Consistently. Our GDP is growing above that deficit. Something, if you have a farm or a business, your deficit is below 5%. Your GDP is growing. And yet your debt has ballooned to over 80.1%. Does that not tell you that there's something wrong? Does that not tell you, look, there's something fundamentally wrong with that, what the vice president is saying? Because in simple logic, your deficits add up to your debts. So if your deficits are that low and your GDP is growing that fast, it means that your debt to GDP must grow at a very slower pace. It's simple. It's simple logic. Mm. But okay, yesterday so we're doing 80% mm. in terms of debt to GDP. But you see, going forward, we are not saying that people should withdraw their money. We are saying that we've heard this before. In 2001. You want to say something? He asked, <laughs> he asked us to pay COVID levy, sanitation levy, energy sector recovery levy, health recovery. financial what what recovery levy, health. We paid all those levies and even told us our salaries would be increased by only 4%. And yet things went out of spiral and today we are in this mess. And he decides that he won't deal with the issues. Mm. But, but as we speak, the city is showing signs of stability. That's that what is I'm, what happens. That's what I, I wanted to look, show him. The right. city moves up and down. Mm. But when you look at the trend, mm. clearly things are very, very, very difficult for the ordinary Ghanaian. And I expect them to do some bold measures. I look at all his measures. No, I'm something he But look at the measures. Mm. The finance minister tells the measures are not far reaching. You listen. The finance minister says that we'll cut expenditure by 20%. 
That's what he says. Now, additional the statement 10, is here. Plus additional 10 in, now, 30%. In, so when you cut 30%, how do you achieve a discretionary expenditure? No, wait. Let's assume that what you are saying is mm. true. You cut all this. Mm. How then do you achieve a deficit of 7.5? Meanwhile, he, is, he insists that he will achieve a deficit of 7.5. Because your total expenditure is 135 billion. Your revenue is 100 billion. If you cut expenditure by even 20% of 135, that amounts to 27 billion. We'll get and yet the finance okay. minister we'll insists that his right. deficit will be 7.5. Mm. Okay. That is why we say that, look, all they are doing is the normal rhetoric. He won't accept responsibility. He will blame it on Mahama, blame it on so-called capacity charges, blame it on so-called banking sector issues. He himself would not admit that government has made some mistakes in terms of where you are putting the money. Because mm -hmm. you know yeah. that this government borrowed one billion okay. to settle IPPs. So we, we, we have run out of refinancing. Uh, we have run out for three years that money has been sitting mm -hmm. and we are paying 8% on it. Yeah, Look, something we are in this mess because Dr. Baumia and the economic management team have failed woefully to appreciate real life economics. The theory is not working. And it was simply not worth there, there are those who have listened and say he's convincing, he's dealt with facts, and they feel that uh, there is hope. Uh, even though you have uh, insist, uh, let groups, the first, groups like let the fact check Ghana, let the first communicate our, the fact our check Ghana, that has fact checked at least five issues and found that uh, the claims to be either false, completely false, inaccurate, or misleading. But generally, you say we are back. Uh, on and a I, trajectory I, yes. to recover. Yes, and, and, I, and, 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 and I say again that our growth in 20, close of 2016 was 3.4. By 2019, it has improved to 6.5. Our lending rate was 28.09 at the close of 2016. By the close of 2019, it had improved to 23.65. Inflation, we inherited 15.4. By the close of 2029, we're at 7.9 single digit. Um, IMF bailout in 2016, by 2019, we had exited credit ratings. Right. By 2019, yeah. had improved. There's every evidence well, well, right. that the you. system well, was better. Well, well, uh, my guest, my guest have been improved. John Abdullahi Jinapo, MP Yape Gusoku, and uh, Member Finance, Mines and Energy Committees of Parliament. Peku Kwateng is MP of Boise West and Chairman Finance. Uh, Committee of Parliament, Kofi Bento, uh, was with us earlier, lawyer and Vice President Imani Africa, Dr. Ejapoma uh, Jekedako, a senior lecturer and economist, University of Ghana Business School. I'm Samson Ladia Yanini, and my outfit, as always, is by Haddle Scooter. You can contact them at Adringano Gates, East Legon. The contact lines, uh, line is 0200 84 1988. Have a good afternoon.